we supposed to get married? I'm going to just swipe I just want somebody to share my It's not really dating. It's digital marketing. You have to send a signal that's just different and captures people's attention. You can keep waiting for the fairy tale, or you can get on board with the new rules of relationships. If you've read my advice in the LA Times, then you know this ain't your mama's love advice. This is Dates and Mates with Damona Hoffman. Hello, lovers. It's your certified dating coach, Damona Hoffman, here with another episode presented by TextNow, the app that gives you a free second phone number for dating so you don't have to give out your primary number to all your matches. Ever had to change your number because you gave it to a weirdo and then regretted it? It sucks, right? Well, TextNow will help you with that. Speaking of things that suck about dating, I hear this from daters all the time. Lots of people tell me, dating sucks, Demona. And I know it can suck if you don't have the right mindset or tools or if you don't feel like you're lucky in love. So today I'm talking to Connell Barrett, official dating coach for The League and author of the new book, Dating Sucks, But You Don't. He's going to share all about his method using the power of radical authenticity, speaking my language, and some little tricks from the world of pickup artistry to attract your best match. But first, we have these headlines, really big news, and some surprising revelations about the Bill and Melinda Gates divorce, and a shocking new study from Ashley Madison on how faith and infidelity intersect. Then in Dear Damone, I'll answer questions from you like how to stop getting friend-zoned after a date, and is the guy you're casually seeing secretly married? <laughs> it's going to be another action-packed episode of Dates and Mates, and now we dish. These dating dish... Well, I'm not the one breaking the news to you that Bill and Melinda Gates are divorcing. I hope not. I mean, maybe you've been living under a rock. No, you haven't. You're a Dates and Mates listener. You know what's happening. Yes, Bill and Melinda Gates are divorcing. You know Bill, of course, as co-founder of Microsoft. Melinda Gates, an early employee there. And the two of them together have built this huge philanthropic arm with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation that has done a lot to to tackle things like getting people clean water and vaccines and so many other really important issues. So this divorce is big news, not just for their relationship. It's big news in business. It's big news in for causes around the world. And it's got me, of course, asking the questions like, what the heck happened? I actually think that this divorce is not really going to be resolved for many years, even though they have a prenup. Because the challenge is the prenup, of course, they've been married for 27 years. So the prenup was originally written before they built so much of this together. And it's really about protecting the assets that you bring into the relationship. But what did they have? Like, there's such an argument there for Melinda being a part of helping Bill build the Microsoft fortune, both as a former employee and then as her as his spouse. So this is going to be hella complicated. But just to add uh, an additional element to this, that there was a revelation recently that in the prenup, they also included things about each other's personal behaviors. For example, Bill Gates was allowed, according to this prenup, to spend one week a year 
with his ex-girlfriend at her beach house. Her And she's married, too. So like, there's all these things when you start to peel back the layers. You think you know people and you see them out there like doing good in the world and creating and growing this ridiculous fortune that they are seemingly using to give back to to make the world a better place but you don't know really what's going on behind closed doors and that to me even if you had uh an understanding about it 27 years ago there's probably so many things that have been complicated over the years that eventually got to be too much so this is probably going to be one of the most expensive divorces we've ever seen. I'm sure it's going to take some time to unravel all that. Apparently, Bill just transferred almost $2 billion. That's billion with a B. I had to double check it. $2 billion in stock to Melinda on the day she filed for divorce, which of course was a little bit before we found out about it. But uh, that makes me, that feels like an apology payment or something. I don't know. I think there's going to be more information. Maybe even by the time this airs, there will be more information that's come out. But they are on trend. There is a trend now for what they're calling gray divorce or splitting after the age of 50. It's more than doubled in recent decades. And I don't necessarily think this is a bad thing because I actually think it's about people really getting clear, getting clear on what they want. And you've heard me say on the show before, my prediction is that coming out of the pandemic, which we unfortunately are not out of yet, we are going to see more and more divorces because this pandemic has had an unintended uh benefit, I guess, of helping many people clarify what's really important to them. What are we living for? What do you want to do with your life and who do you want to spend it with? And if you're not with that person and if you're not living your life in integrity with what your values are and what you ultimately want to do to make your mark on this world, then it might be time to reevaluate and move on. Some folks are out here reevaluating before they've moved on, though. We actually got our hot little hands on a hot little study from AshleyMadison.com. Ashley Madison is the app or website, dating site that is for people who are seeking extramarital affairs. I'm sure you've heard of it. But what you haven't heard is this study called The Crux of Infidelity, where Ashley Madison looked at the relationship between faith and adultery. And there was some some info in here that I did not expect to see. Turns out 66% of Ashley Madison members, <laughs> only, only two sixes, have a religious affiliation with only 17% identifying as atheist or agnostic. And a lot of them said that their religion is important to them or is the center of their lives, more than a third. And yet there were also people in this study who said that feeling guilty or ashamed for having an affair is linked to religion. And many of them said they didn't agree with some of their religious teachings, things like no sex before marriage, sex is only for procreation, uh, discouragement of female pleasure or sexuality, I could go on and on. Sexual exclusivity with your spouse, adultery is a sin, basically all of the things that are part of uh, adultery as it relates to the Ten Commandments and other 
other passages of the Bible, which I'll admit I don't know very well. But most of them didn't believe that their religion should revise its doctrine on these teachings. And this is kind of another example of like, do what I do as I say, not as I do. And it reminded me also like how much shame we all carry for these decisions that we think other people are doing or we think we're supposed to do, but that are not ultimately what we want or what we need. So I'm not I'm not sitting here saying like, you know, just throw caution to the wind and go have an affair, everybody. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying that it's interesting to see how much our actions sometimes are not in alignment with our thoughts our feelings, our words even. And it's interesting, I I was listening to a special episode of Death, Sex, and Money, Anna Sale, the host of that show, if you know it from WNYC, NPR, it's amazing. Um, she's going to be on the show in a few weeks talking about her new book. But Anna Sale did an interview with Dan Savage, who is very vocal about ethical non-monogamy. And he was saying that so many of us are like, I would take a bullet for my spouse or my partner. Like I would do anything. I'd take a bullet for them. And he was saying that infidelity is that bullet that, that most couples are going to be touched by infidelity. He said uh, basically 50% of men and 50% of women are unfaithful in their relationship and they're not necessarily the same people. So that almost all couples are in some way at some time touched by infidelity. And the question is, what do you do? What do you do when that happens? I do get a lot of questions from people like, I'm afraid to commit to this relationship because what if? What if he's unfaithful? Or what, is it, what does it mean to make this vow? And what if I have an attraction to someone else? And to me, it keeps coming back to being in alignment, being in alignment with your goals and your values. And sometimes the religious teachings that we follow, we think they're in alignment because that's what we've always known. And yet when we dig a level deeper, we're not actually even operating our lives in accordance with what we thought we believed. So there's a brain bender for you. <laughs> now you have options, now you have information, and now you have a lot to think about as we head into our first break. When we come back, Connell Barrett will be here talking about his new book, Dating Sucks, But You Don't. Stick around. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We're back, and I'm here with Connell Barrett. He's the founder of Dating Transformation and the official dating coach for the league. Don't worry, we're not going to duke it out in a dating app battle. He's a dating coach for men who is on a mission to help you find your soulmate as your most authentic, confident self. You've seen him on Access Hollywood, The Today Show, Good Day LA, and Playboy. And now I'm excited for you to give big smooches to my guest, Connell Barrett. Damona, thank you so much for having me. I'm psyched to be here. I feel like we've been courting for quite a while, and now it's finally here. It's our first the date. Dance, the <laughs> dance continues. Okay. 
<laughs> I I want to go back in time to like the beginning of like where this all this whole dating coach journey started for you, because I hear you have some secrets. I I don't want to call them rules of the game, but you know a little bit about the game, do you not? I do. I do. I remember reading that book, The Game, Neil Strauss's book, The Game, back in 2005, 2006. And that was what sparked me on this realization that, oh, you can learn about dating and quote unquote, attracting women. And I guess what I'll do is try a bunch of tricks like The Game talks about and nags and and everything. So Back Tell then, us like the when, top tricks, because so it, this might be new to some people. You just threw out right. negs. Tell everybody yes. what a neg is. I just talked about it on the Drew Barrymore show, but tell everybody what a neg is. All good. A neg is something that pickup, old school pickup artists used to do, and some of them still teach it, where you try to make your the woman you're talking to feel insecure about herself and self-conscious. So you, quote, lower her self-confidence so that then she wants to seek your approval. So for example, if, if a pickup artist was talking to a woman who had slightly crooked, imperfect teeth, he might say, oh, I really like your teeth. I was always a big Bugs Bunny fan. So he would try to make herself conscious about herself so that she would then try to seek his approval. It's really gross. <laughs> it is really gross, but weirdly it works. Why do you think it, it, it does legitimately, I would never tell any of my listeners to do it. And yet I've seen that it works time and time again. And this was a thing like on the Drew Barrymore show that I was telling this, this lady is that she was almost inviting negging. She was like taking this antagonistic stance with a lot of guys and the messages that they were sending back and forth. And I'm like, why does that work? <laughs> well, in my, I, I never really got good at negging. I never did it. I never liked it. So I don't have a lot of firsthand experience with it, but I think it works because people are insecure. We all are to an extent. We all doubt our self-confidence, our, our am I enoughness? And if you talk to somebody and make them feel a little bit insecure and they want your validation back, then I could see where uh, tricks like that would work, but they never worked for me. I went out and tried the, I, I tried them for a little bit. I tried being an alpha male a-hole. I tried be I tried lines, I tried a lot of scripted moves. And what I found was that when I finally dropped those things and I finally I finally said, you know what, I'm just gonna be vulnerable and authentic and as awesome as I can be, that worked so much better, which is really what I'm about. It's about all of the things that pickup artists teach some men to do. They're teaching men to do an impersonation of a cool, high value, amazing guy. And I say, why not just become a high value, authentically amazing guy? Poor girl. Boom. Drop the mic right there. I'm with you. Thanks for you having know. me. I'm going to take off. Good night. <laughs> it is all about authenticity. But I, I want to kind of understand some of those techniques a little bit deeper and why they don't, why they do or don't work. And then like what the alternative option would be. So um, another <laughs> term that's thrown around is peacocking, right? So right. peacocking, that's that's sort of like wearing something flamboyant or doing something yes. that gets people to notice you. What, like why? <laughs> two things. Two, there's two reasons why peacocking can work. One is because you stand out. You're wearing a, a bright yellow shirt or a top hat or something really over the top in a public place. You're going to look different than every other person. And that's going to get attention. 
So attention can be good. So it gets eyes on you. It gets a woman's eyes on you. And then, but the idea of peacocking is kind of, it's kind of devious. Uh, it's the, the idea is you want people to, to call you on, on your outfit. You want them to mock you or come up and tease you. And then you pass that test. You keep your cool. You let it brush off you. And a woman might see that and say, oh, that guy doesn't give a shit. He can handle social pressure. So it's actually, it creates an opportunity to, to get a woman's attention and also pass the social tests of people mocking you for your clothing. That again, that's the idea, but it's, it's another gimmick that is designed to paper over uh, the real issues, the real wounds that people have. I yeah. say, fix those wounds. Don't wear a loud yellow shirt or medallions, unless you're just a medallion person. <laughs> then, you know, just do you, boo. But yeah. let's dig into that a little bit. Um, because you, you talk in your new book, Dating Sucks, but you don't. The Modern Guy's Guide to Total Confidence, Romantic Connection, and Finding the Perfect Partner. You talk about being magnetic as you, even if you're not rich, tall, or great looking. How... I, I'm sure there are people listening right now that are like, I'm not really sure how to be magnetic. How do I draw the people in if I'm not doing the peacocking or the negging or like these loud flamboyant things that are really a cover for some of those those deeper layers? Yeah. The idea is to be what I call radically authentic. And that doesn't make you magnetic to every person. However, what it does is it makes you incredibly attractive and magnetic to the kind of person who likes your type. I think of it like this. Do you go to Starbucks? All the time, all the time. Used to work there even. I was a barista. Okay. All right. Do you <laughs> That was too much information. <laughs> do you Do you love Starbucks? My view is that most people don't love Starbucks. It's fine. When I was in grad school, I was a TA, and there was this coffee bar called the Lakota. There was sawdust on the floor. Uh, a bulldog that the owner had was always running around. It was a little bit too loud, a little bit too hipsterish, And I just love that place because it was quirky and specific and incredibly authentic for what it was trying to be. Now, people, a lot of people hated Lakota, but the people who loved it really loved it. It was just, it felt like home and it felt like home for me. And that's sort of my view of dating. It's you don't want to be Starbucks. You don't want to be a watered down wine spritzer. You want to be the cool, quirky, hipster coffee shop or a stiff drink of scotch. Not everybody likes scotch. Not everybody likes that hipster coffee shop, but people who love it are going to wear the t-shirt. They're going to be there every day. They're going to tell their friends about it. So the way to become magnetic in, in the dating landscape is you lean a thousand percent into your avatar, who you are, your core, this authentic self that Aristotle talked about. And you show that vulnerability, you lean into that self, and you will definitely not attract everybody, but you're going to you're going to drive about one third to one fourth of the single people you meet crazy. They're going to love you and you're going to be magnetic to them. So you're not going to be magnetic to everybody. Be magnetic to people who want to to drink at your coffee shop. That is a strategy that I've used for a long time, like to, I say, where you're weird, like to really have those, the color context and character. And I'm like, the character is the thing that most people miss. But, the, you know, I'm talking specifically from my dating app experience. I know you also work with a dating app. You work with The League, uh, which is, you know, a, 
a swiping app aimed at high achievers. <laughs> you and that's have how my we attention. Talk. That's how we talk at the league. We are quite distinguished <laughs> gentlemen and ladies. What would you say? How does that apply as you see it in the online dating world? Uh, the, the philosophy of really being your authentic self and how do you bring that through in your profile? It's the same concept. That's what's so great about this idea of being radically authentic. I'm not saying there's not some differences in context, but I think of online dating, I think there's a big myth about online dating. It's not really dating, it's marketing. It's what? not dating until you talk the first time or meet, or at least have that first phone conversation or date. Until that point, it's just marketing. It's digital marketing. And what works with digital marketing? Two things. You have to break through the noise, you have to send a signal that's just different and captures people's attention and cuts through the noise and that offers them something of value, something they want, a date, a hookup, a makeout, uh, somebody to text on a lonely lockdown night, whatever they're looking for, give them something of value. So when I'm helping clients on the league or my own clients, men and women, increase their matches, increase the quality of the men and women they match with, I'm looking at it as a marketer. I'm saying, mm -hmm. hey, your profile might feature you, but it's not about you. This profile is about the other person on the other end of their phone swiping. It's about her or him. It's about making them feel the way we want them to feel, again, in an authentic way, but in a, uh, a very value offering way. And sometimes when I say the word marketing, some people think, well, isn't that, can't, that's kind of like pickup artists, right? Mar isn't marketing sketchy? Is it, isn't it like used car salesman? And I don't think so. I think really good value added marketing where you feel like the company knows you, likes you, they're, they're, they're being transparent. I think that it's about connection and it's about a highly specific message. So what I have people do, the guys I work with, I say, who are you? I recently asked my client, Jeremy, who are you? Who are you at your core? Cause he wrote his bio up and it was basically he was suffering from long walks on the beach itis. It was just like, I like travel and the beach. And I'm like, come on, dude, who are you really? <laughs> who are you in two or three words? He said, I'm a man of extremes. I'm like, cool, what does that mean? He's like, I love plunge pools and sleep deprivation chambers. And I buy seven books at a time and only read one of them. I'm like, yes, that's the guy we want Great. women to see. I would say swipe left, but <laughs> there are other people Others who would, would be say, so turned on this by that. Is edgy. Exactly. <laughs> we don't want to try to be all things to all people because then they'll swipe left. We want, mm -hmm. we want a solid percentage of people to be like, right, 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 right now. Mm -hmm. uh, on my dating profile, I say, I'm a dating coach. I'm like Hitch. It's very polarizing. Some women are suspicious. Some women like it, but it's who I am and it's different. It's different. So we want to find that unique difference and, and market yourself to people in a way that's genuine, but also offers them value and makes them go, oh, this is not something I see every day on the apps. Yeah, I agree with you um, and wrote a similar book on the topic on how to brand yourself, which is kind of the same thing. Yeah, but totally. Right. Same reaction. And this was like 10 years ago. Same reaction. Like people are like, what? No, this is about me being authentically me, which it is, but it's also about like, think of it from the other person's perspective. This is what I want everybody to really, really hear, men and women right now. Hear what Connell just said. He said, think of it from the perspective of the person looking at the profile, not just like, this is me, this is who I am, you don't like it, you know, swipe left. That's not what it is. It's about really thinking like, what 
also is that person what does that person need to see to swipe right right yes exactly thinking about the audience audience. your podcast as awesome as it is as awesome as you are you probably don't think of it as being about you it's really about your audience about what you want them to experience right same with your book completely it's not with my book my book is not about me it's i'm all over it but it's more about what my book can do for single dudes and your book was about what your book could do for single people. And your podcast is about what your podcast can offer. So it really comes down yeah. to offering value. And that's kind of what this is about, offering relevant value to somebody who likes your your type. I love this. Okay, let's take things then to the next level, Connell, because- That's not possible. Can we go deeper? We can. We can. can we? And right. we must. And we must. Because there, there's something else that- uh, there's something else that you address in your book um, and and in in your talks and everything that you uh, all this in all your things um, in the, the motivation behind people's actions. And, you know, we have a lot of folks listening to this show that are like, I can't stand the dating apps because I don't understand why people act the way they do. Like, why do guys match with you, but not right? Why do guys like engage and then pull away? Like, why do they say they want a relationship, but then they, (laughs) then they don't. (laughs) What? What? Men do these things? I can't believe it. Please explain. Please. A voice of man. (laughs) Why do dudes Uh, be doing this? I think it's because we're all driven by the same small subset of needs. And a woman might be on a dating app and she might be driven for connection. She wants love. She wants an incredible guy to share her life with. And a lot of men are not driven by that first and foremost. They're driven by the need to feel significant, to feel uh, sexy, to feel validated. So if a woman looking for love and connection matches with a guy, starts messaging, feels like he's on the same page and he gets that validation, maybe they make out, hook up, or hell, maybe they just swap some messages and he feels handsome and sexy, he gets that feeling he wants, special, I'm hot, I'm sexy, I'm attractive. I know this feeling because I never felt hot, sexy, or attractive until my mid-30s. That's why I I went on this journey because I needed to feel special and attractive. We all do. So for the most part, it's not bad intentions. It's that we have kind of mismatched needs. A woman's looking for connection and, and maybe a soulmate, and a guy who pulls back is probably he might tell her he's he's interested in that because you know it's dating he's going to say what he's going to say but really he just wants that adrenaline rush of an attractive woman to be into him and then it's like a it's like a sugar rush it's like ego candy it's like candy for the <laughs> ego it's like ooh that felt good ooh who's next who's my next um validation rush so that's why men do that a lot not all men of course but many men are wired that way you said something profound and then you um, skate it right past it. You said that you used to not feel attractive and that's what sent you on this journey. I'm curious what shifted. Like, was it just about the work that you, the, the inner work? Do you feel like for me, I'm just going to throw this out here. Personal share time. Mm-hmm. I found, I, I too can relate, Connell, that I didn't feel attractive particularly no offense against the Midwest it's my home region but like Ohio, the standard right of <laughs> you're in Ohio I was I, I'm from Ohio from, I'm in New York oh, but 
but I know Ohio and Indiana very well. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm originally from Michigan. I went to school in Chicago. And the standard okay. of beauty there, let's just let's just call a spade a spade. Uh, at the time that I lived there, the standard of beauty was very different. And the people who were in my circle, like, because dating apps hadn't been invented then, I had a very limited pool of of possible matches. Then finally, when I moved to California, and one, there were people who were, who saw me in a different light. And also I went, I started doing, I was very early adopter of online dating. And I Mm. started to see that there, I started to have access to this pool of people who were interested in me. Then it started to change actually my self image. And it was also partnered, I would say with deep self-worth, worth work too. But I, I do feel like the availability of matches who were appropriate for me was a part of me shifting the way that I felt. Did that happen for you at all in that way? Or was it a different kind of experience? It was similar. It took, I think it might've taken me longer than it took you based on what I know about you and what you just shared. So I, I came from a place, a very low place in terms of my feelings about my attractiveness to women. I thought I just wasn't that guy who women went for because I never had a date in high school, barely dated in college. And this continued. And then I got, when I found, when I finally found a woman who wanted to be with me, uh, she's a wonderful person. Don't get me wrong, but she wasn't the right person for me. And I married her. And nine weeks later, she left me and uh, for a guy who she was hooking up with, not she shouldn't have gotten married either. Neither of us wanted to. Here's a, here's a phrase you never want to hear as a newlywed. I heard this, a guy said to me, <laughs> a friend said this at my, where I was working at the time. Hey, I, I saw your wife on the back of another guy's Harley today. Oh, that's yeah. a whole mouthful. <laughs> that's a oh lot to hear God. when you're like four weeks married. So after my marriage ended, I felt really low. I felt rejected by all women. And what ha- what shifted in me is it, I didn't realize I needed this at the time, but I just needed to go on this journey of meeting lots of people, lots of women, and finding out, oh, I have worth. I have romantic value in their eyes, in some of their eyes. And it took a lot longer than I thought it would uh, because, you know, you know about how, how deeply beliefs can get grooved into your marrow, how it can feel like bone deep. It took me several years of approaching and dating and just learning about how this all works, where I finally realized, hey, I'm, I'm good enough. I have that worth and value. So the shift for me happened a lot more slowly than I wanted it to at the time. But the silver lining is I got all these great stories and experiences and um, epiphanies, and it turned me into a dating coach because only by having every single problem that a single man has ever had can I now feel like I can fix just about any problem that a single man has uh, because I had them all and fixed them all. So it's like John Bon Jovi, seen a million problems and I rocked them all. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You got to go through it to to be able to relate to it, certainly. Um, There's another part of your book, Dating Sucks, But You Don't, um, that I really, I want to also dive into because uh, we talked about like pickup artists and how they, you know, you, you mentioned approaches, like how it's kind of, always the same you you do your reps you all you know you always follow the same pattern but i i imagine now especially because we have so many different ways to meet with the technology that that 
strategy has shifted a little bit and it's really more about creating authentic conversations but that yes. is something that is so hard for so many people especially in the digital world i get a lot of questions on this show from people that are like what do i say to, mm. to in the first message what do i say on the first date and as someone who is also interested in authentic conversations and connections i'd love to know your tips for being able to move into a conversation like that? Yeah, my the simple Zen phrase I give my clients, and I, I would give this to women as well, this advice goes to all of us, is it's the simple phrase of what I'm thinking and feeling is what I'm saying and doing. When I go on a date, and I have one in two hours, when I go on a date, I always try to lean into this idea of, all right, what am I thinking and feeling right now? Being really transparent not vulgar, hopefully. If what I'm thinking is X-rated, I might dial it down to PG, but I'm going to be as honest and real as I can. And what happens is, you're right, I think the, maybe the most common question I see and get and hear is some variation of, what do you say? What are the words that will get them attracted to me, that'll make it go well? And I answer, well, starts with, think, don't think impress, think express expressing yourself. Uh, you're going to be at your most attractive self if you're expressing your true thoughts and showing your true sense of humor, cracking your versions of jokes. In the first chapter of my book, I talk about this guy, Ken, a guy I used to work with. And Ken came to me because he was pushing 30 and had never even kissed a girl, never even kissed a woman. Because he was a little bit chubby, shorter than average. He just felt like, oh, I'm not that guy girls go for. And he had read the game. He was doing all these pickup artist things and just was making things worse. And I took him out. This is the weekend I really fell in love with being a coach. Took him out on the town in New York City for a few days. And I kind of realized who Ken is. Ken can quote Plato and Aristotle. He's a college professor. He Most guys can quote Homer Simpson. You know, he can quote <laughs> Homer's Odyssey. He can quote the Odyssey, Homer. Yeah. Anyway, so Ken and I go out. And I say, lean into that nerdy, he's a knock-knock joke fan. He's like, tell girls knock-knock jokes. Mm -hmm. uh, talk about Plato, talk about Aristotle. And for the first time in his life that night, he, he was having women like grab his phone saying, you better call me, here's my number. And we went to this rooftop bar and I watched him approach a, a tall, beautiful woman who kind of looked like a, had a Gwyneth Paltrow thing. It wasn't her, but it looked like her. And I watched, I was watching from afar doing the whole hitch dating coach thing. And they were talking for five or 10 minutes and all of a sudden they're kissing. I'm watching for the first time in my life, I'm knowingly watching somebody have the very first kiss of their life. What? And he had, to, he had to get up on his toes cause she's like five ten, and he's, he looked, he's kind of a shorter Jonah Hill looking guy. And then they got married a week later. Just kidding. They didn't get married. It was just, it <laughs> was just a, like hanging on every word you're saying. Like, it was what? just, it was just a drunken makeout, but it was actually a lot more than that because that weekend Ken realized, you know what, when I really lean into that nerdy Plato quoting knock, knock joke spouting guy, he's going to find a Gwyneth Paltrow type. Who's like, I like cute nerds. I'll make out with this guy. And that'll change your life a night like that. And it did for him, I like to think. And um, so, yeah, lean into that. If Ken can't do an impression of some pickup artist, it comes across, it's like wearing an ill-fitting suit. But mm -hmm. when you're wearing your real skin, your real suit, it fits well. 
you you feel good in it and that more that that genuinely magnetic side of you comes out so you can kiss Gwyneth Paltrow lookalikes or whoever your type is. <laughs> right. I'm like, I wonder what happened after that to Ken. <laughs> like, did he end no. up with more like a, you know, I'm like trying to think of another type. I'll look up. He this just got, yeah. He had a, he just had, <laughs> where, he had a really cool Ken girlfriend. Right now? <laughs> Ken is, I haven't talked to Ken in a while, but I know, I know he was in a relationship about six months later. I was going to say, and he doesn't need you anymore. <laughs> Ken has moved point. on. That's the whole point. Right, right. I feel that too. Like there's so many clients that I've launched, helped launch into relationships that it's just like, I don't ever want to hear from you again. I want you to go and like live your happy life. And, you know, I'm here if you need me, but I want, I want you to spread your relationship wings and fly. Yes, Um, you are a Jedi. One last thing, since you are a dating coach for men and I do hear this. I literally just heard this last week, Connell. Like, gosh, it's so hard to know what to say now because of me too. And I don't know what I can say to a woman and have it not be offensive. There has to, there has to be another, there has to be a more conscious way to think of this. This whole me too. What, how, how do you, how do you honor a woman, but also let her know that you're interested Right. Talk to me. That balance. Yeah. Yes. Great question. First thing men need to do is re- is realize that me too is not about the man. It's about <laughs> it's not you. It's not, it's not, it's, it's, me. It's, it's me too, not you too, the man too. So first of all, just don't be that guy who says you're going to have to make the first move because I don't want to, you know, it's a different culture that misses the whole point. The whole point is let's honor and respect women and girls who've been abused and harassed. That's what this is about. So if you're a man who just gets that, you're ahead of most guys. Okay. That aside, get off my feminist soapbox. Uh, that aside. <laughs> I like it. I'm right there at with the you. same, at the same time, I say, guys, women still want men to be men. It's not like you don't want to be a man. We still can make moves, quote unquote, uh, but we want to be incredibly empathetic and always calibrating to how our quote unquote moves are making women feel. Uh, we want to, yes, you can still open doors and uh, tell her she's beautiful and uh, offer your arm or take her hand. But you also want to pay attention to how, of course, how she's responding to this. Show a little thing called empathy and then calibrate accordingly. Most women will let you know how you're doing and how she's feeling with you. And if she's liking it, you can make a little bit more of a move. I think of it as stair steps. <laughs> There's a story in the book how I um, I was walking home from a date when I was first learning all this stuff. And I was like, oh no, I haven't made any moves all night. I got to do something. We're walking to the subway. She looks down on her phone and then she looks up and all of a sudden my ginger face is coming at her to kiss her. And like my lips graze her chin and my teeth hits her. And it was just oh, awkward. And I call it the lunge. You lunge because you're like, well, I don't want to get, yeah, (laughs) lunging puma. Yeah, that's too much. (laughs) My kung fu name, lunging puma. (laughs) Don't be the lunge guy. I'm not saying make, I'm not saying try to throw a touchdown from your own end zone. I'm saying baby step it, you know, Uh, give her a hug when you meet her for the first time on the date, a friendly hug. couple high fives, be a little bit physically expressive. If she's comfortable with it, notice, notice how she responds. Maybe soon you'll be holding hands. If you're holding hands, then maybe it's time for a kiss soon. 
But the me too trouble guys get into, it's they do things like, oh, I'm just going to do nothing all night. And then I'm going to make some really weird try hard move, which is also really bad. I, I think of it as the stair steps of, of romantic connection rather than trying to throw a touchdown from your own five yard line. The other thing that I think is important to remind folks of is that asking for consent can be really sexy. I think somehow we got yeah. it in our head like, oh, that's not sexy if I ask her if I can kiss her. Yes, of course it is sexy. Like, it, I mean, like in olden times, they would say like, may I kiss you now? Or, you know, just like, right. would it be okay if I kissed you? Like, how hot would that be? Like direct eye contact, like, would it be okay if I kissed you right now? I feel like I want to kiss you right now. Is that okay? Like, yeah, I feel like it's... that would be super hot. Like, if you, that's way hotter than you just like shoving your tongue down my throat, like Absolutely. unexpectedly. That's nothing. There's nothing sexy about that. What's great is what you just described. Letting a woman know, either explicitly or with lots of clear cues, that a kiss is coming. You've been moving toward it. And you could certainly say something like, wow, I really want to kiss you right now. And then, then she what, says, what she why gives you don't back you? Will, will be your answer, right? So she'll exactly. either say, like, she'll either say, let's break this down for folks, Connell. She'll yeah. either say, like, you should, or she'll lean in, or she'll, what, like, what are some signs that she's like, oh, hell no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, body language, arms folded, sitting away from you. Uh, if, if you haven't held her hand yet, then don't try to kiss her yet. There are these little, these little yellow, uh, green, yellow, or red lights that arise during a date. Go through a few green lights first before you make a big move. And if you get yellow lights and red lights, cool. Then you, then you know to stop. And you never have to be that lunging guy. But absolutely, I have a client, uh, I call him Jerry, who uh, he's got a great little move at the end of the date now. He says, are you in the market for a kiss? <laughs> so cute. It's a little bit, co it's COVID related uh, empathy. He wants to make sure she's okay with that because we're still in a pandemic, but also he wants to kind of test the waters. Like, hey, basically, are you in the market for a kiss? And he's been two for two with that. So absolutely. <laughs> she doesn't say, are you in the market for a PCR test? <laughs> <laughs> If That's she, what y'all need to that, be saying. <laughs> he, any woman who said that, he should propose right away. That's an right, woman. right away. <laughs> you are a wealth of helpful information. I am so with you on this dating from an authentic place. And I'm so excited for my audience to pick up Dating Sucks, But You Don't, The Modern Guy's Guide to Total Confidence, Romantic Connection, and Finding the Perfect Partner. And this is for, I know you coach guys, but th there's a lot for the ladies to be learning from your book as well. I think so. I mean, the book is about how to gain confidence, how to flirt, and how to make yourself attractive as your most real you. I think there's a lot of value there for men and women. But if nothing else, uh, maybe, you know, every woman's got a guy she either friend zoned who might need this, or a brother, or maybe a single dad. So, uh, it's, uh, it's good for, for guys and gals. And by the way, it's available. You can order it on my website, datingtransformation.com, where I also have lots of free tips and videos and just free goodies as well. Awesome. We will put the link to that in the show notes as always. Thank you so much for being here, Connell. Damona, it was a blast. Thank you so much for having me. We'll put a link in the show notes for Connell's book, Dating Sucks, But You Don't, The Modern Guy's Guide to Total Confidence, Romantic Connection, 
and finding the perfect partner. This week, we have some fabulous questions to tackle from you, including how to avoid coming off as more of a friend on dates. And is he ghosting because he's secretly married? Welcome back. It's time to answer your questions in the next segment. Dear Demona. Demona, help me. This one comes to us in a voice memo from Brittany. Hi, Demona. My name is Brittany, and I have a question for you about something that has been continually happening to me for a couple of years. So how do I avoid coming off as more of a friend when I'm on dates? I've honestly had no less than seven people tell me in recent years, you're great. We have a ton in common. I love hanging out with you. Here are five great things about you, but I only want to be friends. And I don't know what I'm doing to contribute to this. I'm, I'm not saying it's completely my fault, but I have to be a contributing factor if it keeps happening again and again. Usually this happens after one or maybe two dates, but I'm meeting these people on dating apps and I'm having long conversations beforehand. The dates go really great. Sometimes we kiss at the end, sometimes we don't. Pandemic life, we definitely have not. But it just kind of keeps happening. So what can I do? Do I need to state more clearly at the beginning that I really only want a relationship? Do I need to make it clear that I'm not really in the market for friends? And also a follow-up question to that, why is this such a commonly used strategy to turn someone down? I feel like there's this shared language and it just keeps happening. So I'm really curious if you have any insight into that as well. Thank you so much. Brittany, what you're doing here, I think, is really smart. You are noticing a pattern, and that's what I'm all about. And I would not blame yourself, certainly, but I think it's a really good place to be willing to examine what you're doing and see if there's something that you are doing that's creating the same result. Now, first of all, I always say, you know, rejection is your protection. So if it's not a match, you have to remember it's actually – a good thing that they're letting you know, first of all, that they're not just ghosting and they're saying, hey, I'm not feeling the vibe. Of course, sometimes people say I'm getting a friend vibe, which means that I'm not interested in a relationship. So I don't know if you are not stating clearly enough that you are interested in a relationship up front. And then later on, they're like, oh, no, no, this girl's looking for too much from me. Uh, actually, girl, I just want to be friends. Uh, I don't know if that's what's happening. Or maybe there is something that you can do to sort of amp up the flirting. Uh, we'll be talking more about flirting next week, but I'll give you a couple quick tips that would be helpful if you want to convey to the other person that you're interested in something more than friendship. I can't tell you how many times someone will say to me, I didn't want to go out again with them because I felt like they weren't really giving me vibes or they weren't that interested. And like attracts like, interest attracts interest. So make sure that you are really clear with what you want up front. You can use my acronym, set it up. S, smile. Make sure you're smiling, you're laughing, you're looking like you're having a good time. E, eye contact, of course, always. Make sure you're really looking like you're interested. You may have heard me say on the show before that just the presence of a cell phone on the table during a date can breed mistrust between two people. So make sure that you're giving them good eye contact. And then touch. Touch is really the way to signify this is not just a friendship. I'm looking for something something more. And there are a few zones in the body that are safe zones. And I really feel like since the Me Too movement, it's become very 
important for women to set the physical boundary and to let to let a man know that touch is okay and an advance is going to be accepted. And you can do that by breaking the touch barrier first. So that could be just, you know, a casual little pat on the hand when he says something funny or a touch on the shoulder while you're walking to the table. It doesn't have to be and probably shouldn't be anything like va-va-voom major, like no running the hand up and down the thigh. That's too much for the early phase. But Safe zones, the shoulder, the elbow, the wrist, the hand, those tend to be safe areas where you can touch someone on a date and it doesn't come off as uh, too aggressive. Anything, of course, hips, waist, knee, you can maybe play a little bit of footsie, but sometimes those signals can get misread. But anything in the waist down zones is definitely off limits, especially guys. Especially don't put your hand on her waist or the small of her back if you ain't there yet. You have to really respect that. But I'm saying to you, Brittany, maybe you need to amp up the flirt factor just a little bit and see if you get a different result. I think it's really, really smart to examine these patterns that we're seeing definitely not not for self-blame I'm not here for that whatsoever but for self-inquiry that is what I'm all about on the Dates and Mates podcast so I hope that is helpful for you but also just remember Brittany that those who want you to be in their life only as a friend they're just not the right ones and eventually if you keep doing all of these things and you keep being as curious about yourself and as curious about your dates as you are, you will find somebody who likes you as more than a friend. Our next question came to me in an Instagram DM from a listener we'll call A. She says, hi, Demona. I work at a hotel and I met a guy here. He's a returning guest coming every two to three weeks. After his third time, he gave me his business card to text him. So I texted him and we met two times and I felt we got a connection and got a bit intimate. He's really great. We have a lot in common, but we were always in touch when he was at the hotel, never when he was not around. Last time when we were saying goodbye, he, we said stay in touch, but we did not. He checked in yesterday and I feel like there's something wrong. He did not text me before. When we talked, it was very formal. He was nice and told me it was good to see me and how I'm how am I doing but that's all am I being ghosted I know that it was very casual and I don't feel good about it I don't know what happened but the worst thing is that I cannot ask for an explanation right we were not together or exclusive we were just hanging out moreover here's the kicker guys I found out that next week there's another reservation under the same surname with a female name is this his family or wife what the heck is happening Oh, man, A, man, I I know what you're going through right now, and I know I'm about to say something that's probably not what you want to hear. But this situation has red flag written all over it. Even before you got to the part about the reservation under the same surname, all of my spidey senses were going off when you said, I only talked to him when he was at the hotel, never when he was not around. That to me is a telltale sign that this person, whether it's because he has a wife or because he has a girlfriend or something going on at home, 
he cannot be available to you. So that to me says that he's hiding something. If you only hear from someone, this is advice for everyone right now. If you only hear from someone at certain times, like, oh, well, I can only talk on the weekends or I only can talk during work hours or I can't talk during work hours. There's certain parameters around someone only being available to you on their terms. That is a red flag and should be paid attention to. All right, so let's assume that's the case, A. And let's say he has somebody back home, but he's he's giving you all the feels and he's saying all the things you want to hear while he's in town. But here's the part that concerns me for you, A. You're asking, am I being ghosted? When I think the bigger question, it's not about, he's not ghosting you. He is protecting his own his own interests. He is getting his needs met in this relationship with you and then doing whatever the heck he feels like when he's not in the hotel and he's not escalating the relationship. So it's not so much that he's ghosting you. You're not being ghosted, but it's just that there's a mismatch between the fantasy that you've created, understandably based on the chemistry and connection that you had and the reality that's sitting here in front of you. I would certainly be suspicious that the same surname, I don't know if it's a common surname or not, with a female name coupled with the fact that he has not been communicative with you and he was very standoffish when you saw him would add up in my mind to mean that this might be his wife. So, I would back off. I would not. You can certainly ask for an explanation, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get one. And of course, no one owes you an explanation in any dating or relationship situation. But I think the question for you would be, what can you learn from this situation? Or when could you ask for an explanation or clarification up front? Because if this is the industry that you work in, and this happens a lot of times with people who travel a lot. I have, I've had clients who are flight attendants who've had similar situations, um, even you know waitresses, people who meet those who are on the go, who are out of their normal element and feel that they can behave in a way that is not, not the same as they would behave if they were at home. And people are really isolated and really lonely and really really needing that connection with other people in the outside world. And I hate that you got caught up in this because he clearly is getting what he needs and is not paying any attention to what he's leaving in the wake. But you can learn from this and you can take what experience you've had here and apply it as a filter to your dating experiences or even flirtations in the future. If you want a relationship, you can hold that person up to the level of expectation of communication and being available to you that you need, or you can get the sign before you get the red flag that this person is not for you. I hope that is helpful for you, A, and I hope, Brittany, you got what you needed out of this episode, and I hope all of you at home enjoyed episode 360 of Dates and Mates. We will put a link in the show notes for Connell Barrett's book, Dating Sucks, But You Don't, The Modern Guy's Guide to Total Confidence, Romantic Connection, and Finding the Perfect Partner. And ladies, let me just tell you, you want to get the playbook. You want to know what Connell's telling the guys so you know how to do the dance, right? So I recommend for women or men to check out Connell's book. 
And I'd love to hear from y'all. I would love to hear your question. You can reach out to me on any of the socials at Demona Hoffman. You can send me a voice memo like right there on Instagram. You could literally just record and let me know what's on your mind and your question could get answered on a future show. I'll be back next week with body language expert Nicole Moore, who's going to help us regain some confidence and flirting skills as we move out into the real world. Until next week, I wish you happy dating.